HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Diageo Bar Academy. Learn more at diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in that rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you signed in the end. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm David Bolte. My name is Southern Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Gentlemen, we are back again in the virtual studio. Yes, we are. I'm yeah. back again in Brooklyn. I hey, was welcome ask. back. Yeah, nice. Yeah, fi- finally. My my wandering days are done for like another week or so. <laughs> and nice. uh, uh, Damon, you, you you some big news out of California where you are. You have the same governor again. Yeah. Yeah, nothing's changed. <laughs> uh, that's one way of looking at it, but if the uh, I think the other way of looking at it is uh, we've dodged a major bullet by uh, by not changing the system over there. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it was I, I don't know. I didn't really think it was going to happen, and you know, it was kind of a line slide anyway. So, um, so yeah, at least uh, people are you know just thinking positively about it. And uh, you know, I was talking with some people last night about it, and they're like, you know what, man, he's done a lot of really great stuff during all, you know, like being in uh, the pandemic, he was doing a daily briefing, you know, it's like not, not the demonized kind of situation that uh, a lot of people put it into, you know. Also, as we all know, doing a daily briefing during the coronavirus pandemic doesn't necessarily make you a good governor. <laughs> right. Well, <no. laughs> That's Just to put that out there. Yeah. As um, we saw. There were many other things, you know, just saying. Wasn't just sitting around. I mean, it wasn't. He did go to French Laundry, but you know what? It's a great restaurant. Just saying. <laughs> the man has taste. Let him stay. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know what? When you were talking uh, at the beginning of the show about, um, you know, thirty seconds ago about here we are in the virtual studio. I don't know what you guys. I mean, Greg, you you your virtual studio has existed in so many places uh, over the you know past year or so. Mine is in my back bedroom of my house, and it's gotten. I've just like put more effort into making it more comfortable. So now there's, you know, it basically looks like an opium den in here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, you know, I've got nicer equipment, you know, it's stuff I needed anyway. I'm a musician. Uh, It's nice to have a a nice um, vocal microphone so I can record, uh, you know, vocal lines with 
I also use it for um, acoustic recording, you know, because, um, you know, it sounds like anyone who plays uh, acoustic electrics out there knows that the pickups and uh, acoustic guitars are just terrible. So you always want to record acoustically. So I like it for that. Also, got a nice cushy chair. Just saying, you know, so like, I, I don't know, Souther, you've got a new place uh, pretty recently. And uh, what's your studio like? I was about to say, that's the thing that's missing for me is a comfortable chair. I have a a bar stool next to a bar height table with uh, with my road mic and uh, a sort of a buffer around it so that we can dampen out sound. Um, but yeah, I've improved my equipment at least. You know, like I just said, I got a road mic and, and a buffer, and um, I think I think we, we're sounding better and better and better, even though we're not not in the studio where I think the sound is probably best. Um, but yeah, a, a good chair would probably be my next upgrade. <laughs> I sit on this rickety stool, and it's uh, usually by by uh, I don't know three quarters of the way through the show, I, I end up standing up because the stool isn't that comfortable. Can you just like take one from one of your like twenty bars or restaurants? Listen, man, we don't have any seats at my bars. No. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, well, that's where this one came from. <laughs> Does it? Do, do you do you stand up of your own accord, or like halfway through the recording, does someone come in and just like scoop it away from under you for the full? Yeah, like full we do at the bar. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Someone comes and sweeps <laughs> it away. Well, I don't you know. know if I've told you guys this, but I actually, now that I'm finally settled in my in my new spot, I actually converted a closet in my apartment into like a full podcasting studio. Um, I bought. Well, the, like, I mean, the you're, little, the you're a man panels. of many parts. You're a man of many parts. You're involved in how many shows now? Oh, Jesus, like twenty. Um, <laughs> it's it's <laughs> four at my last count, but honestly, there could be some that I'm forgetting. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, I moved into this place and it's a, it's a pre-war building. It's littered with closets. It has four of them, not counting the weird explosion of closets that I converted into a bar. Um, and I was kind of like, what do I need all this closet space for? And I was kind of like, or do I have three closets and a podcasting studio? The only problem with it is that it gets really, really, hot. really hot. <laughs> <laughs> But we got to suffer for art, right? Well, yeah, yeah. and I, I'm sure you can make yourself a cold beverage. I, I oh, I've, I'm way ahead of you on that one. Uh, well, actually, I'm going to take that back. Do, do you need to suffer for art? Because as we all know, you know, part of our business, uh, a hazard of the job is the day after hangover. But our guest today may have found a way around that. Uh, joining us in the studio, we have Chris Boyd of Drink Monday, a non-alcoholic spirits company. Chris, thank you so much for, for coming on and hanging out with us today. Yeah, man. Hey, Jens, how are you doing? Thanks uh, thanks for having me. Super stoked. Yeah, yeah excited, excited to have you, Chris. Yeah, Welcome. No more hangover, cool. no more tears. We're excited. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. I think, um, you know, it was like, it's like a self-serving thing. Like uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Before that, I was like in consulting, like, you know, you're, you're kind of like this type A, always on the go, um, competitive in the gym too. So like, I have all these things where like, I need to be good and, and I want to be good. And the last thing I need, you know, approaching 40 now is like a two day hangover. And that's pretty much all I get at this point. Right. So it's, it's not like your, your <laughs> early twenties, you know, you yeah. bounce back and, and you're on a three or four day good one. 
and you know you, you hit Monday morning and you're like fine right that's that's not the life that that I have and I, I think like I just needed to find something that was gonna gonna allow me to to live my life the way I wanted and uh, but you know you still like you get this this like palette that you've built right certain flavor profiles certain like complex beverages that you enjoy and it's just like how do I have one without the other yeah. Well, you're speaking to the choir because you've got three guys who are just hustlers, you know, we, we're like yeah, New, York, yeah. New York hustlers. But I mean, for me, it's like, I, you know, I understand, I understand a lot of that because yeah, I mean, we're, we're not that age anymore. As, as far as competition at the gym though, I, I, I'm afraid to go to the gym because of the, the deltoid variant. Thanks for thanks for that, guys. I was trying out some new material. Sitting on that are coming back. Funds are coming back. No, but but for real, you know, like especially, I mean, we're kind of joking around Souther before, but you know, this guy is a serial entrepreneur as well, and and you know, I I know that Souther is definitely talked to me about this before where he's just like, dude, I can't, I can't be out every night. His Sundays are like his one day that he gets to actually relax. And I think that's kind of important. Something we we've really learned over the past year and a half during COVID especially, but it was definitely present before that where people are like, all right, you know what? This is New York city. This is LA. Everything's always on. Like I have to be on. And even though I'm in the booze biz or, or the F and B bridge, in food business, you know, it's like, it's part of the fun, but it's also something that can really like slow you down dramatically. And the space of low and no ABV has been really interesting. So that's, that's why I wanted to have you on the show and thanks for uh, getting back to us. Um, I've, I've seen it around, um, you know, on uh, social media, mostly. Um, also, I come from a background of graphic design. I know we're going to talk about this. Uh, oh, yeah. in a little bit, but I, you know, the packaging is striking to me. It's beautiful. So, uh, yeah, it's very cool stuff. And, uh, I do have to say, you know, it's, you're in, you're in San Diego, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, so I'm up in the Bay area. Um, oh, cool. so for me, it's like to be able to, <laughs> I I've said for a very long time, uh, it sounds like a broken record, but I've said a billion times that I wish whiskey sometimes didn't have alcohol in it. So I could start drinking it earlier or drink it all day long. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, so thank you for allowing me to mix myself an old fashioned cocktail before 9am. Um, Cause I've got one right here in front of me. <laughs> oh my dude. I, dude, I, I, I love that. I like want to take that quote and just put it everywhere. Right. Cause I think it's like, it's just creating things for the people and, and what they're looking for. Right. And um, yeah. I drink a lot of whiskey now before 10am and it's like almost a shock value kind of fun thing of like, Hey, you know, what are you guys drinking? They're drinking coffee. Right. And I was like, well, I'm drinking whiskey, you know, yeah. and it's just like, <laughs> Oh, tell me more. And you know, it's, I think it's just about having an adult beverage on your own terms because we're adults. We do what we want when we want. Why can't we have alcohol without alcohol? Right. So it's, it's just all about like getting everything you want, especially in the, you know, I'd say overall the food and bev world, but maybe the world in general, right? I can drive a car without gas now. I can eat a hamburger without cow. I can have milk without dairy, you know, like it's just interesting. You can, you can kind of beautiful place to, to be alive where you can have the things you want without the things that you don't want. 
And you I can think, smoke weed without smoking weed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, That's I mean, always my favorite one too. It's like, you know, so it, it's a brand new category. Any new category has lots of trolls when you do ads and, and serve up stuff on the internet and they're just be like, what's next weed without weed. And I was like, you mean CBD? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, to me, that's, that's just where we are. I mean, we are like in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a really cool thing. Um, so I kind of want to talk about, um, obviously like we're going to get into, we've had a lot to talk about, um, how, how, why, and how did this happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, so, um, you know, I was, I was actually working in the Bay area consulting. So I'm, I'm on a plane and, high powered, you know, kind of job, 60 hours a week. You guys definitely know that grind. And, you know, it's, it's my, I'm a early January birthday baby too. So it's like January 5th. It's like a Sunday, 2019. I go out with a couple friends cause they're just like, Hey man, it's your birthday. I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm turning 37, not a big deal, but you know, so we're, we're at a bar and we're having like a gin drink. I have a second gin drink. Somebody wants to, you know, buy another round and they're like, Chris, what are you having? What kind of gin drink? And I was like, you know, I'm going to stop. I'm going to, I'm going to switch to water. And they're, you know, I, I, I get some shit. Right. And, and mm-hmm. they're just like, what do you mean? It's your birthday. You can do whatever you want. And I was like, this is actually what I want to do because I got to get up at 5am. I got to get on a plane. I got to talk to other adults who are probably not hungover. So I definitely want to try to not be hungover. Right. And, you know, I think that was a kind of a moment of like, why can't I have these amazing gin drinks that are in front of me? You know, why can't I have five, six or seven of them without the effects of alcohol that I no longer need after two drinks? Right. And I think I really stuck that feather in my cap, just tucked it away and, you know, just went about my night probably went about like the next couple months and, and just did my thing. And, you know, I, I kind of came up for air You'd say in March of that year, I was kind of done with consulting a little bit burned out and, you know, I'm sitting at the gym and, and one, you know, my new co-founder to be Ben, another serial entrepreneur guy has four young kids We're we're both like competitive gym people. And he just goes like, Hey man, like you're, 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 you're done with that. Like what's next. And I was I kind of just blurted it out. I was like, what about gin that doesn't have alcohol, but, you know, has all that amazing flavor and, you know, super uh, great, like mixer. You can, you can do so many things, like has a lot of variety. Um, Like just what about that? And you'd think like, that's kind of a crazy thing to just toss out of the blue and it, and it warrants like further discussion. Um, And he got it right away. And he's like, yes, like I've been drinking gin for 20 years. Like I'm slowing down now when I have too many and I have like four young kids at home. Right. And then like the last thing I can do is like be a decent parent and, and just be hungover all day. So, you know, we, we kind of vibed on that and we're just like, Hey, is, is this a thing? Right. And, and now it's like our entrepreneur brains are on and, and we're just like, you know, if this exists, we'll be a customer. Right. And, and we tried a couple things um that were coming i think out of europe at the time and you know honestly they just they didn't hit it for us and we were a little bit disappointed and we're like this has to be a thing and you know we we kind of combined forces and said like all right ben's this um online marketer really is good at finding the white space and new online trends so he did his thing 
I actually had a background briefly in my 20s in San Diego hospitality and nightlife. So I kind of went back to my old contacts and, and just asking like, hey, are people interested in non-alcoholic drinks when they're out at your bar? Are you making a lot of drinks like that? What does that look like? And, you know, I think combining notes, we both found like there's definitely a demand for non-alcoholic. And, you know, we're seeing the trends online. I think dry January uh, was becoming a trending thing in the UK where it started, but starting to make its way to the Eastern seaboard to the idea of being sober curious or, or mindful drinking was just in its early days, I think. And we're, we're starting to pick up on that. Um, on the bar scene front, I talked to countless bartenders who were like, I make a ton of mocktails or non-alcoholic drinks. And, and quite honestly, it drives me crazy because I can't serve something up that's uniform or I can't serve something up that isn't just like a mixture of sugars. And I get a mm -hmm. shit tip for it too. Cause like I can only charge a couple bucks. And I was like, this is interesting, right? No, this seems like an underserved group on a, on a wide variety of levels. And you know, why right. is there's there a, there's like definitely, there's definitely a graph right there that you just nailed that, 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 that gets my attention, which is uh, suddenly you can't, you don't have something uniform. If, especially a few years ago, maybe you didn't have any kind of non-alcoholic drinks on the menu already. So you're making something up on the fly, probably when you were stressed and busy. Yes, uh, so right. it's costing you extra energy, extra effort. And then suddenly you slide it across the bar and you can charge, you know, half the price of the normal drink. So they tip you accordingly. And you're like, wow, that was a lot of effort, exactly. energy and work that went into thing that I'm going to get not not rewarded for in the, in the, in the way that I'm accustomed to. You nailed it. And, and it's not like you have, you know, these, you don't really typically have like a bunch of like mocktails in your back pocket, you know, in your, in your drinks Rolodex, you know, right. maybe you do, but like um, maybe some do, but it's not a typical thing. So where does that change? You know? Exactly. And, you know, I think on the, on the customer, the patron end too, they're not getting something they're probably enjoying. They're, they were probably looking for what I, I like to call it an adult beverage, right? Something that's complex. It's beyond just sugar. It's, it's beyond just like a, a ready to drink, like a soda. Um, you know, you're, you're looking for that certain experience. You want to be on an equal footing level with like your other friends who are all getting like proper cocktails or like a nice beer or wine, something that's complex, right. And layers of flavor, all that good stuff that we love. And, you know, it just feels like we could do better, right? And and I think that's really what it was about. And, you know, that journey took us to this place of like, okay, you know, Chris personally has a has a few pennies tucked away. He could go on a little entrepreneurial ride and live off some savings here if we want to give it a shot. And that's, you know, going through 2019. So we're just like, hey, let's do it. Um you know, so the the fun adventure was like getting on the phone with distillers and we're like, hey, we we have a flavor profile in mind. We we definitely know where we want to go with gin, our, our initial product. And, you know, so reaching out to the distillers around the country, mostly the West Coast, um, you know, the the story goes, I I made 85 phone calls and the first 84 of them were a mixture of like uh confusion, laughter, and anger toward me <laughs> pitching this idea. And they'd be like, you know, mostly coming down to like, why would you take the best part um, out of gin? Like what's wrong with you? And, you know, all, all of those types of things, 
even down to like, oh, you know, if you if you write me a big six figure check, maybe in three to five years, I'll have an answer for you. And I was like, wow, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> it, it was it was interesting. And I, and I think like it sounds like you guys are, are go getter entrepreneurs too. like you, you could think, wow, this is this is dumb. Nobody thinks it's a good idea. I actually, you know, we thought the opposite, right? Of like, wow, challenge accepted. Like, let's keep going. Because if we can nail Listen, this no, thing. Nobody, absolutely nobody's going to buy water in a bottle. Right. Yep. <laughs> right. Bottle, bottle water is never going to take off. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and it's also this whole thing of like, you know, I, I think when you know you've got something, I almost feel like when you get laughed out the door, it makes you a little bit more excited because you're like, oh, sick. Like I, no, one, no one else knows that this is an awesome idea yet. So I've got it, which is yeah. cool. Yeah. But I wanted to, I wanted to sort of ask about that awesome idea and, and this notion that you brought up a little bit earlier that there is now a market for, you know, non-alcoholic whiskey, gin, beer, as, as we've been seeing a lot more of recently. Um, that I don't think that market was there five, six, seven years ago. Granted, five, six, seven years ago, I was in my 20s. I was not the target market for non-alcoholic spirits back then. Right. Now I am. So maybe it's just me seeing it. But is there another layer to this? Is there something that you think is going on in the undercurrents of society that is making people now say, you know what, I want to drink without getting drunk? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, great question. And, and, my take is this is um, we're in the midst of like this, this renaissance where people are really maybe taking a harder look at their own habits. Um, And it may be because there is a rise in the food areas and technology areas. And and I think non-alcoholic spirits, you know, is a little bit downstream of that. But I, I actually look to like, the alternative milks, right? So almond milk and oat milk and and all that stuff, like really saying like, wow, these are delicious and I don't need dairy. And and I think people are having a tough time with dairy, especially as you age up. Um, So, hey, I can can now start to have things that I enjoy without the things that like the negative side effects that might come with that. And I think that's an idea, a seed that's been planted in people through those products and, you know, I actually point to like impossible foods, right? So plant-based meats, that's really like, I think something that's hit for people of like, wow, like this thing tastes legit, it's real. And now I don't have to, you know, so if you're vegan, for instance, like you, you just, um, you know, you, you don't want to deal with, with all the animal factors with that health related or moral related, right? So it's like you, you can have everything you want without avoiding those, those red flags for yourself. And all of those things I think are in combination of like, well, so now let's take a look at beverages, right? And, and like, sure, a couple things like that have been around. So you have like Oduls in, in the alcoholic space, they've been around forever. You have non-alcoholic uh, or sorry, uh, decaffeinated coffee. Both have been around forever, both not really been highlighted that much. Um, but now it's like coming around and saying like, well, Odul's doesn't really taste that great. And I think most people would typically agree with that. Um, yeah. But it's like, why can't they taste good? And I think if they taste good, people will start to put them in their drinks tool bag, right? And saying like, hey, we're, we're not just appealing to straight teetotalers or, or 100% sober folks. 
people go on this spectrum of like, I'm on a drinking little bin or bender, and then, you know, I'm going to dry up for a bit, but I still like need my flavor fix. And how do I do that? And are there tools in my belt that I can use to like help me reach that goal? Um, and I think like, that's where we're at as a society, I think. And, and I think like non-alcoholic spirits rose, I think the, there are the dry January movements that the people really taking time to evaluate their drinking. I really think COVID kind of accelerated all of that because I, you know, we ourselves or, or the memes out there, you know, people hunkered down during various lockdowns in their States and in places of the world, you know, they're, they're just hunkered down with a bottle, just watching Netflix, right. And crying uh, to themselves, you know, like you, you see all of those stories, wow. you may wow. or may not have done that yourself. Uh, no judgment. It's like, how did you and, get, how did you get into my apartment last year? Yeah, I, I thought you were talking about me. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, you know, those things are real. And I think like people do come to a place of like, maybe you would call it a rock bottom and just say like, wow, what am I doing? Um, maybe I need to change a habit. Maybe I need to like hold myself accountable and go like three weeks without a drink. And it's not just drinks too, right? Like maybe I've been eating too much. Maybe I'm gonna, you know, try to get outside a little bit. Maybe I'm going to try to change up my routine. I think the idea of lockdown really brought people together alone with their thoughts and maybe had them evaluate their habits. And then they started to look for products that might like help them achieve some of those new habit changing things that they want to do. And, you know, I think that's, that's kind of how we're here, why we're here. And it's, um, it's been fun to be part of such a young category rising and just be here for like, a, hey, we did this for ourselves. And it turns out when we talk to other people, they find it useful as well. And it's one of those like underserved categories or topics where you start to talk about it with other people, you unravel that onion a little bit. And people are like, wow, yeah, you know, I had a little, I had a little thing with alcohol here or my significant other or my friend and family member. Everybody has a story with how maybe a little bit too much alcohol at a given moment in their life was not such a good thing. And if products like ours were more mainstream and out there and available, you know, you could potentially have curbed that, that issue or that red flag. And I think that's, that's why we're here. Yeah. You know what? I think this is a great place to take a break. Let's hear from our sponsors and we'll come back with Chris Boyd of Monday. Back in a moment. Uh, so guys, I don't know about you, I'm loving this conversation that we're having about non-alcoholic cocktails because I think it's a conversation that is necessary and one that's actually gotten some, you know, gravitas over the last few years. Listen, the popularity has risen exponentially, especially I think during the pandemic. Exploded, yeah. Because, you know, there's there are so many reasons why people would choose not to have a drink. And, you know, if you're a, a bartender and you run a beverage program and you're not catering to that, you're leaving money on the table at this point. So for me, certainly, I've, uh, you know, become a huge health nut and I've gone to the gym a billion times. And, uh, you know, I, I just like the low and AB, the low and no ABV category just working out really well for me. I mean, You've seen pictures of me. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. It's too, it's too bad. It's too bad. This is radio because he does all these shirtless too. It's like <laughs> yeah, it's like Jason Momoa with a beard. You are swole. 
Listen, I think one of the things that we need to really think about as a, as, as bar owners and bartenders is the revenue that it generates. Right. Um, you know, when you don't have a, a ready-made list of non-alcoholic cocktails and someone comes in and asks for one, that puts a lot of pressure on your team uh, or yourself, if you're the bartender that evening, to on the fly come up with a drink that's balanced and tasty and beautiful and, uh, you know, appealing. Um, while you're probably in the midst of a big crush of, of you know, your regular orders coming through, and then you can't charge enough for that drink because you know it's uh, made from just things that you've kind of whipped together, uh, and then so in the end, it's not that much revenue for the business, and then you you get tipped a percentage of what you charge, so it's not that much tip for you. So I think that you know, if you want a resource, um, Diageo Bar Academy. Um, focuses a lot on low and no uh, ABV cocktails. And in fact, uh, at the website, uh, they've got uh, a guide that includes uh, heroes in, in our field. Uh, Lauren Mote, who's been on the show recently, Ryan Cheddarwandia, who's going to be on the show in the future, uh, talking to you about uh, you know how to, how to build them, how to make them delicious, and also how to make them profitable for the business and profitable for the team. Yeah, even some recommended reading by chefs like Grant Eckett's and many more. So there's a lot of resources here uh, to be able to whip something up and not even whip something up, really mindfully put something together for your guests because no one wants to go in and, like, as you said, just get something slapped together uh, without any thought really put behind it. So this is a really great, great resource for putting together some thoughtful, non-alcoholic and low alcohol cocktails. Exactly. And, and the beautiful thing about it is this is just one of, you know, tons of really amazing, well thought out, well put together resources from people that, you know, are very respected in this field and, and who know what they're talking about. It's a great place to learn. And not only is this course alcohol free, it's also money free, just like everything else on Diageo Bar Academy. It is all free. So any anything that you are curious about in the world of spirits, log on, give it a search. You can find people talking about, not just people, experts talking about the best way to do whatever it is that you're wondering about today. Yeah. And all this, of course, can be found at diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. A great resource uh, uh, for all things spirit related and apparently also non-spirit related. Really, really just a great resource. Stay informed, inspired, and connected. And we're back. You're listening to The Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. In the studio today, we have our friend Chris Boyd in from Drink Monday. They make some awesome spirits, uh, a gin and a whiskey with no alcohol in them. And we kind of touched on this. I mean, we touched a lot on the idea of kind of curbing drinking and changing habits, especially during COVID. You know, a lot of people have kind of like realized that maybe they wanted to change some things about themselves. I mean, it's not uncommon. I, I, I can certainly attest to this, especially living in New York for 15 years. Um, Drinking every day is is pretty commonplace uh, in places like New York City. And yeah. you'd mentioned uh, dry January. And, you know, for for some people that don't get it, that don't understand, like, it, from the outside looking into, in you know, when especially industry people in New York City, you know, that drink er literally every day, or, or at least every night, rather. Um, when they talk about dry January, it's like, okay, well, you know, that's one month. Souther has always said that, you know, that's one month out of the year. That's cool. But if you start by taking one day every week off of drinking, that's 52 days mm -hmm. out of the year, which is almost two months of not drinking. So I, I know there's like different ways of doing it, but 
Funny enough, I always say, don't do dry January. It's bad for my business, bad for bars. I say, do, I, I always say, do dry Tuesday, uh, but maybe I should say, do dry Monday. <laughs> there you go. Or just carry Monday at your bar and people can come seven days a week. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, Chris, I want to talk about the product itself. Um, talk to us through the um, through the make. How's this stuff made? Uh, and talk to us about, uh, of course, the end result and its flavor. I don't have any right here in front of me. Damon's drinking the whiskey, but I want to hear. We've been mostly talking about the gin, so let's talk about the gin. That's that was the, the premier product, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think uh, me and the co-founding group, like we we happen to be gin drinkers. I'd say by trade, with some air quotes thrown up, as in we've been drinking gin for many, many years. Um, you know, I think we went with a combination of, of, you know, what we like and what's near and dear to our heart, plus what's maybe painting in a really broad stroke to hit a number of, of gin drinkers, right? And, and the idea is like, hey, if you want to get into the gin lovers, it can become like a uh, religious discussion about their their variant that they like. And we're not trying to do that. I think not out so young. Let's appeal to a broad audience. Let's hit them with like a broad stroke. And so the idea is like Juniper Forward London Dry Gin, right? We're going to hit you over the head like this is very obviously a London Dry Gin. You very obviously pick up the Juniper. Um, let's come with a little bit of, you know, botanicals and, and spices that are maybe more traditional. So your citruses and coriander and things of that nature. So let's just make something that's familiar to you. And kind of the idea behind that is like, I think about someone who's willing to be brave enough to say like, hey, status quo, you know, get out of here. I'm, I'm going to be brave. And I'm going to say like, I'm going to try not drinking in a world that really wants you to drink. And I think that's a brave one step. I think asking them to take a second step and trying a spirit that may not taste the way they think it should is probably one step too many. So we're, we're trying to get them to take one step and really like reward them for that bravery with like, Hey, you're a London dry gin drinker. You're going to like this. It's going to taste familiar. And that will make you, I think, in your brain, when you're having that drink, you'd be like, wow, this gin and tonic tastes just like my alcoholic gin and tonic. Like that is, that's a keeper, right? And now I have that at my home bar. And when I, when I feel like I need to take a break, like I have that and, I'm, and it's not strange feeling or it's strange tasting. It's, it's very familiar. So that's, that's kind of the intent there. I would ask then also, like, what made you, uh, just because, uh, well, surely all businesses kind of begin with a little bit of ego. And I think your ego was that I'm a gin drinker, so I'm going to make a non-alcoholic gin. But, uh, you know, I would think as an entrepreneur, you might look at the market and say, well, the majority of folks out there drink vodka. Why wouldn't you make a, a vodka first? Yeah, you know, great question. Um, great, great uh, background to entrepreneurial and, and all that good stuff. I, I think... Gin was near and dear to our heart, um, but it was also something like we we absolutely knew the flavor profile we were after. And it was like, here's a target within reach. And I think when I go back to the beginning of 2019, at least on the West Coast, I can say gin is gin was hot. 
And I know that that's strange from, um, you know, several hundred years spirit, but gin was becoming hot. We're seeing lots of like craft distilleries on the West Coast popping up, making gin and gin varieties, even getting away from traditional juniper forward gin. Um, so a lot of people were, were kind of in play in the gin world. So we're like, okay, seems like a good time to enter. Um, and then we're thinking about at the bar level, and you know both home bar and then you know real brick and mortars gin is has such variety right and, and it's so versatile you can make so many different types of drinks there that we think it could play to um, many palettes and then um, before we started making those 85 phone calls right to distilleries we um, you know doing a little research prior it's, I wouldn't say it's easy to make gin, but it's on the easier side, right? You, you have this star in the juniper and then um, you kind of push that star forward. You have a couple supporting cast members through the process, but it's not like a whiskey, right? Which could have hundreds of different uh, elements or even thousands, right? And, and with, I think gin, you're talking about a dozen or so, at least for our variety. Um, so we're, we're trying to go somewhat simple um, and, and that was really the intent. So to go back to your, why not vodka? I mean, from a business perspective, right? Vodka makes the most sense. People, uh, drink vodka in the world, the most, uh, most popular, I think for us, it felt disingenuous one. Cause like we weren't vodka drinkers Two, we feel like in a brand new category that's already saying, so you make flavored water for 40 bucks. Um, when you talk about vodka, yeah, I think we're, we're all, I, I'm going to assume we're all, you know, pretty, pretty um, experienced palates that are deep. We know vodka isn't tasteless, but generally the world thinks vodka is tasteless. So it I think that like was going to be, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it was going to be a tougher sell because when you're trying to get people's attention for 30 to 40 seconds, explaining the why of the category, then the why of the product and the benefits of the product, and then the price of the product and how to go get it. You know, you don't have that much time. And I think vodka was going to be more difficult to sway people into like, no, this isn't just like water that you're buying. It, it actually is pretty deep. So we kind of started with gin. Um, we're, we're examining the space. We're not seeing others really get into the vodka space either. I, I think we all kind of collectively feel that's a tough one to sell people on. Can we make it like, can it have some gravity to it? Can it, can it really offer some flavor? And I'm not sure that we're there yet. Yeah. Plus like there. almost, almost everybody has non-alcoholic vodka that comes out of the faucets in their house yeah. for free. Right. So, <laughs> right. Um, but you, you mentioned something there that I, that I thought was really interesting that I want to ask you about. You were talking about the, the relative simplicity of making non-alcoholic gin versus the complexity of making whiskey. And you make both. And I really wanted to ask if how that cognitive shift was for you when you were developing these recipes. Because, you know, when I think of gin, the flavor comes from botanicals. I mean, tea is botanicals. Right. You know, that would be something that I think would be relatively easy to recreate a non-alcoholic space. Whereas when I think of whiskey, I think of a lot, so much of that flavor comes from the interaction of the alcohol with the wood. And that's got to be a very, very difficult process to ape in a non-alcoholic space. So what was that like shifting those gears to make the, the whiskey after launching with the gin? 
Yeah, yeah, no, great question. Um, you know, so I'd say gin near and dear to our heart again, and and we ran with it in 2020. So we we've only been for sale during a pandemic era, which has been fun. Um, we saw a, a ton of growth and <laughs> in a lot of interested customers, right? And and that was great. And everyone's kind of like, "What's next? Uh, please make it a whiskey, right?" So I think it, it was like, well, listening to our customer base and there's, I think what happened commonly is like one of the two in a couple liked gin and the other liked whiskey generally. And it was just like, there are a lot of songs about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think we're, we're seeing that and I was like, okay, well, you know, here, here are some data points suggesting like where we should go. Um, and then of course, to your, to your point, the challenge is like, wow, whiskey is this behemoth to make. And it's just, it's it's so nuanced and it can go in so many directions and uh, even more of a religious discussion about your your types of whiskey and likes and dislikes for uh, amongst people. I think where we came down to is like, you know, we, we actually have a master distiller who owns his own distillery in L.A., kind of entrepreneurial like us and was gritty and was that 85th phone call was like, dude, I'm on board. I don't know where this is headed, but like I get it and I want to I want to take the ride. So he kind of earned our trust knocking gin out of the park to, to our spec. Um, we brought him in closer strategic partner, all that good stuff. So unraveling that a little bit, we found is like, he's an award-winning spirits maker and he's actually an award-winning bourbon maker. And we're like, okay, so the demand is for whiskey award-winning bourbon maker here that we trust. So we kind of like gave him, almost full control over making that formulation. And that's how we kind of made that leap of like, okay, this group are gin lovers. We we're interested in whiskey, but I think we couldn't replicate that same, like, oh, we know exactly the target we want to hit because that wasn't true. So we kind of handed him the keys to whiskey and said, like, make something happen. You know, we'd be part of the taste testing crew. We'll open it up to some other folks that, that know more than us there. So just kind of giving up the trust reins a little bit and, uh, you know, taking a leap of faith. And um, it's been an interesting journey, too, because like this whole process has kind of made me a whiskey drinker now. Like I, I definitely, you know, moved across like my own taste profile and it's changed a bit. So I, I drink our whiskey all the time now and I don't drink as much of the gin, which is super weird to say out loud for someone who who'd been drinking gin as long as me. So I, it's like the journey has been, been moving my own personal um, palate and tasting experience too. So it's been, uh, sure. it's been fun. So you're working with a distiller to make these things. Talk about the process itself. Is it initially distilled and then the alcohol is somehow removed or what's the, what's the, what's the breakdown? Yeah, sure. Unless, um, unless of course it's proprietary and you can't talk about it. <laughs> it, it, um, it is proprietary. Um, we, I, the the thing is like I'd love to have him on because I think you guys could always talk about the hard stuff too, which I know is the bread and butter here. Um, he's a great guy. When we kind of handed him the the keys to that stuff, like we sure we own the the formulations and I and I've seen them. I don't really understand them quite honestly, but he's kind of doing some magic in his distillery. Um, my my understanding is like it's kind of a blending of old and new. So some distilling old schoolness with some newer stuff thing. Um, I would say like equipment and techniques that you would use, say in um, 
uh, oh my God, bringing up like, so bringing fragrances out of different, um, different. Sure. Sure. Just distillation and perfume making are very close cousins. Yeah. And then we, we have like, so we don't age of course, cause it's a fresh product and it would rot, but we definitely, um, sit goods in wood staves and, and things of that nature to, um, grab some of the wood, you know, essences and such. So, um, what I have learned is like, it's a much more difficult process because, um, you know, alcohol doesn't, doesn't rot or go bad. So you can leave them in there for longer periods. We, we have a very short window to kind of test formulation before they go bad. So it's an, it's an interesting rush to get it into a bottle, um, to ensure freshness. Yeah. And then there's all kinds of, there's a, a lot of very interesting, um, preservatives that you can use to keep them, but ultimately, you know, it's something that, uh, I believe it says in your bottle that it should be drunk, uh, consumed within, uh, the first six months. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so definitely not, to, yeah, not something that's you not a hard thing years. for me to, you know, get done. <laughs> <laughs> we figured that would be a decent amount of time. And, and, you know, I think it's, it's been, uh, that, that was definitely something going into it. We were just, you know, naive to and say like, oh, how long does this last? And, and luckily six months was a decent amount of time, especially in the new category. I think people are so like they're they're sharing it with friends and they're making up different cocktails and opening up their worlds. Right. So we get a lot of people who only drink whiskey neat. And I'm like, hey, have you tried a couple cocktails with it, too? And then they're just like, wow, I didn't know this world existed. So just opening up new doors for people left and right. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, kind of where I wanted to go next here. Um, you know, the most iconic, let's go back to gin, the most iconic gin cocktail on the planet, of course, the martini, um, but that, that then involves vermouth. Um, so if you want to stay in the non, certainly using Monday would, would bring you to a lower ABV option, but if you wanted to stay in the non-alcoholic option, what are the cocktails that you find are working the best with your, with your, uh, with your gin? Yeah, sure. So, you know, in the gin world, um, I would stick to, right. So gin and tonic, of course, I mean, that's, that's classic, not really a cocktail, but in terms of like a mixed drink, right. So like gimlets of the world, um, right. we go with like, you know, aromas, gin fizz, um, things of that nature, anything that pairs well with, uh, I would say like a citrus is, is really like a good go-to, um, I, I don't consider bitters to be alcohol, even though they do have alcohol in them. Yeah. Um, but I, I like gimlet variations like the, the Bennett, um, with, mm. little, you know, with little Ango. Uh, and then of course the Sawyer cocktail, which is, it's enough bitters dashed into it to make it probably alcoholic, but it's a, what is it? Seven, seven dashes, Peixo, seven dashes, orange, 14 dashes, mm. Angostura, and then otherwise a gimlet of sorts. Yeah. But, um, Sounds yeah, beautiful. Gimlet's always make great non-alcoholic cocktails. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think like you guys had mentioned, like, you know, switching to Monday and then using a traditional like recipe that would make it a low out cocktail. And, and we actually see that a lot. People will just say like, Hey, I, I'm just, I would love three drinks that I really enjoy as opposed to one like high alcohol content drink. And I was right. like, you know, this is, this is perfect for that. So it's just sure. 
They're making awesome. it a little makes it a little bit more sessionable in that way, and I think uh, I think people are definitely on on the lookout for that. I, I guess the the issue for someone like me who runs a bar that literally has nothing on it that's non alcoholic, with the exception of water, um, the trouble is that the category is just too new, right? We don't have non alcoholic vermouths at hand. We don't have non alcoholic uh, bitters or or amari at hand. They exist. Um, they're they're out there. They're out there. Right. But yeah, they're small, the, to, to your point, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, it's gross. Just, yeah, it's burgeoning still. I yeah. had a uh, non-alcoholic um, sparkling wine the other day that was actually good, and it got me thinking about doing a French 75 with Monday gin. Yeah. We've seen that in a couple places. So customers come out of the woodwork on social and, and can't wait to showcase their newest thing. French 75s with um, some sparkling non-alc has, uh, is one of the winners, I'd say. And... To speak more just on on non-alc wines, I'd say like that's probably the toughest place uh, to to go. But if you do add bubbles and make it a sparkling variety, they actually get pretty decent, and they get kind of away from sugary grape juice and actually become something that's a a little more complex. Yeah. Do you have your? Um, I know the company's super new, to, to only basically a year old developed during the, the or released during the pandemic you've already got the two marks are you intent on creating a full back bar do you, do you think you're looking down the road at a rum a tequila possibly a mezcal etc yeah yeah um we're, our, we're working on our third um our third spirit now it's it's definitely going to be a tequila we're thinking like like a, a reposado maybe some something a little bit higher end we want like a, a smooth sipper but something that'll also go in your kind of classic cocktails, your Paloma, your Margarita. Um, introduction of a little smoke would be interesting. I love Mezcal personally. We're just thinking again of like, okay, let's new category, paint and broad strokes. I think the idea of tequila is is much more um, well-known. Mezcal is kind of, you know, the ninja uh, under yeah, still a little, st- Still a little polarizing, right. um, you know, growing in, in leaps and bounds, but to the general public, I think it's a little polarizing still. Right. We're just looking for them to be like, you know, they see that on a bar or in a cocktail menu and they're like, yes, I know what that is, as opposed to um, Mezcal, which is, you know, hit and miss depending on on who you are and, and what you're up to. Right. Cool. And especially because you're already trying to get them to, you know, take a little bit of a leap of faith with a non-alcoholic spirit. It's like, hey, take a leap of faith with a non-alcoholic spirit where you have an maybe not even that familiar with the the boozy version of this right. you know right yeah so it's it's like baby steps right and i think once once you um create some confidence and some trust there then it'd be like cool what's next like i'm ready yeah you know um there's a cocktail that uh i i will say this um I, I'm really digging the non-out category, not just in spirits, but in beer too. We had recently, we've had them on the show twice now, um, the folks from Athletic Brewing Company. Yeah. Um, and there's, I'm not a huge beer drinker these days, but I love beer cocktails. And I love creating beer cocktails because it's kind of, it. it's a challenge. You know, it's not just like throwing beer on top of a cocktail. You have to count for bricks and all this stuff. And, but there's one that's actually uh, kind of a modern classic to me anyway, that um, I believe it's either Sasha Petrasky or Sam Ross. I mean, cause they invented everything. Right. Um, but <laughs> it's a beer cocktail and it's really simple, but it's like my favorite, like summertime cocktail. It's a beer and whiskey cocktail. It's called the Chevelle mm. ounce of whiskey, half ounce lemon, half ounce simple. 
and then topped with Pilsner. And I, I made that yesterday with Monday and with Athletic Brewing, uh, their Pilsner. And it was, I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> so just say <yeah>, might need <laughs> yeah, to throw awesome. that in there. But that I, I have amazing. to ask you another question, because um, you mentioned a lot of food, and I'm starting to get hungry now. But um, <laughs> you being in San Diego, I, I, you know, one of my favorite spots there, it's, it's all vegan, and it's called Kindred. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I just see Love this. That bar. That bar I see awesome. this in that bar. I don't know if they're carrying it, but um, it kind of makes sense to me that it would be in Kindred. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we're, uh, you know, I think with the hopeful fingers crossed, like doors are staying open, COVID's kind of curbed. We have, we have good practices to keep everybody safe while keeping our doors open. Um, we're definitely pivoting toward getting in more brick and mortar doors. Cause I think we want to be where people are and if they're out and they're at their favorite spot, I think they should have options like ours. And my big thing is like, Hey, don't just carry Monday, carry a variety of stuff. We want to look like a back bar, right? You don't just carry one variety of gin right. and one variety of whiskey. Like let's carry a variety. And, and I think like athletic brewing, I'm a huge fan of them. Um, San Diego guy, big, beer guy. I actually don't drink alcoholic beers anymore because the non-alcs are so good between right. hot waters yeah. and the things athletic are coming out with, like they're crushing it. And I'm just, I, I kind of don't see the point now that I have everything I want on the, on the flavor front. So it's yeah. like, a, yeah, yeah I, I would love to take this out and, and really start to get it out into brick and mortars. And, and I can tell you, there's been a lot of organic outreach. Um, so Bar directors, beverage directors, um, you know, even owners of hospitality groups, they kind of come out and reach out to us and say like, hey, we've been in lockdown. We've been looking around and seeing what people want. We've been hearing um, some of our longtime customers coming back and, and saying like, we need to offer more inclusive things and, and put them on our yeah. menus and totally. we're reaching out to you um, because, you know, your name keeps coming up and that's really cool to see. Um, and we want to do everything we can to, to kind of support those groups because I think, um, circling back to the beginning, I really think this is a way to add more dollars into bartenders pockets and then, you know, more revenue into bars, uh, themselves and, and all while making patrons very happy. Um, we actually had one of our team members go to Austin on vacation and what she said was like, she, she bellied up to a bar and there was non-alc menus everywhere. And she even was next to somebody who bought like an $18, like non-alc spirit cocktail, didn't blink twice. Right. And, and three or $4 tip. And I was like, this is where we're headed. And I think this is totally. good for everybody. That person was extremely happy with their beverage and ordered several more. And I think like, if everybody wins, like, let's do this. Let's blow totally. this up. I have one more thing to add to this, and I like that you brought back uh, or brought up the fact that bars are starting to open up. The world's kind of, I mean, slowly, you know, we, we open up a little bit, then we close back. But, like, another thing that's happening um, that hits close to home for me is that I'm a musician. And mm. I probably started drinking because when I was a kid, I would pick up these guitar magazines and music magazines, and it was like every, like, it's mostly like this, this, this will date me, but it was like the early nineties and it was like guns and roses hanging around with bottles of Jack Daniels <laughs> everywhere. And yeah. like, you know, it was like this thing where it's like, you know, you would see all these bands and music videos and like, 
it was coming off the eighties and there was still a lot of that happening, but like they were partying all the time. And I was like, okay, I guess if I'm going to be a rock and roll guy, I need to drink alcohol. But, right. um, I will tell you that a lot of times on stage, I, I, <laughs> I have been, uh, known to party. Like I was out in the crowd rather than on stage working. Um, <laughs> so to me it's, but, but you know, you build up a thirst when you're on stage and it's nice to have something. Um, so on a completely different kind of, not just like being in the industry, that kind of thing. Like for me, being on stage and being able to drink and have a clear head um, is massively important. So I, I'm really excited about that, yeah. just on that aspect of my life. That's so cool. Um, you know, can I share with you too? I had the strangest, we had the strangest customer write in and, and we get some strange ones, but this is the first. Um, so they were a musician like you and they were, they were asking very earnestly, and not trollish like i'm a musician and i i um i drink or i swish whiskey around to clear my throat will monday whiskey do the same thing and i was like man this took me like away from my job and i like went into a deep dark google hole for like a couple hours trying to research <laughs> like what is going on here like, what is this? Because I'm generally interested. And in, I think like, have, have you ever, I, it's like, it's an old wives tale, right? Or, or do, do you have any, any background about that? Is it like, is that a real thing? Is, does it work? I think for me, it's always been about some sort of kind of, like, yeah, I mean, like whiskey, it's, it's maybe a little bit psychosomatic. Um, I think that it's probably loosened me up more in my mind than in my pipes. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> but you I know what? It's, but that's, that's also important. You know, that's... I mean, but frankly, Chris, the easy answer here, you know, again, as a sort of entrepreneur and, and a curious business person, I would have been like, my man, I am sending you a bottle right now. And I need and you to tell you me, do the, you do the work and show me the <laughs> <Yeah>. results. <laughs> we totally did that. And and I think like, I was, I was so curious. Right. And, and I'm like, okay, it sounds like if, if, it is truly your pipes. There is this warming sensation that maybe he's thinking the alcohol gives him. And I was like, cool, we have like a hot pepper extract type thing that will warm you. Cool. If, if something about actual ethanol alcohol is the thing, well, obviously I can't help you. And I was like, you know, that's a pretty strong coin flip. Let's, let's give this a go. I'm, I'm interested. Um, so this, this just happened recently. I'm, I'm eager to hear back and it's just uh, you, you never know what stuff like this is going to take you, and it was um, all yeah. part of that ride. Yeah. Well, if, cool. if people want to follow the results of your highly scientific study, where where can they follow you on the socials? Yeah, so at Drink Monday on Instagram is probably the best spot, and um, you know we always try to share some things on our stories that are new and interesting because the space is so experimental and. You know, we're we're just a handful of folks just passionate about the space and you know, we're just real people. So we we try to share things like real people. That's amazing, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the speakeasy today to talk about this. And uh, we didn't even get to talk about how handsome your bottle is, but listeners, <laughs> if you if you see one, it's very attractive and it looks really, really nice on a back bar. So uh go out and pick some up. Cool. Thanks, guys. I had a, it was a true honor. Uh, I, I could do this all day, quite honestly.
Uh, right, so so we, could we. we. Tend to. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we do. Uh, well, man, Chris, thanks again so much for uh, devoting some of your time to us. I know you're a busy person. Probably got to hit the gym. Um, <laughs> and uh, we really appreciate what you're doing out there and and how you're kind of opening up the minds uh, of of your guests as well as our guests. Um, and you know, drink, drink Monday is uh, looks like a great product, and I can't wait to get a hold of some and, and give it a go. Um, that's it for this week's episode of The Speakeasy. Uh, tune into Heritage Radio Network to listen to many more shows just like ours uh, or log on to heritageradionetwork.org uh, to donate to the station to keep us all on air. Uh, thanks so much, everybody. Cheers. 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 So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to the Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please, join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.